back to the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K-Rose Company and Cattle Menu. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to bring you these conversations each week filled with relatable advice and techniques you can take back to your operation. It's my mission to make sure that we can ranch in the next generation. Make sure and subscribe where you're listening so you never miss a new episode. Welcome to the Catman U Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline, and I am here with Allie today, who was an attendee of She's Hand Ranch Camp in summer of 2023. So thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Why don't you update us and tell us a little bit what you got going on and how you're involved in the agriculture industry? Okay. Um, I'll tell you a, a little bit about myself, I guess. So my great-grandparents homesteaded, uh, I'm actually in Canada, northern Alberta in, in 1911. Uh, so we have a family farm since then. You know, some of my favorite memories growing up are in the, the cab of the combine with my mom. Um, and my dad was also a lawyer at the time. So he grain farmed and ran a, a full-time law practice, which I always admired. Um, but it came to a point, you know, with rising land prices that you either had to make a decision to expand the farm or kind of do the law firm full time. So kind of during that transition, um, I'm the youngest of three siblings. So my older brother took over. He moved out there and uh, turned it into a cattle operation. So ran a uh, pretty uh, prestigious black and red Angus operation. And like I said, being the youngest and I guess the only girl, I kind of never really thought that I would own the farm. And there's that unspoken, you know, deal with family farms and, and families in agriculture where you don't really talk about it. The the one sibling almost always puts in a lot of sweat equity. And then you kind of just assume that you will never be in that position. But in 2022, some things changed. And ultimately, I ended up buying the farm. So I guess that makes me fourth generation farmer on there. And I use that loosely. But I know that we all we all go through the same issues. You know, someone very close to me actually the other day called me and was was joking because he said, I've, I've never hauled grain without my dad and I'm 32 years old and not that I don't know how to do it, but it's working with your parents every day. You have that little bit of security. And so I guess I'm, I'm still managing that and very much learning. So kind of in the meantime, when I didn't think that I would ever really farm on that land. I went and got my law degree. I became a lawyer. Uh, so I practice with my dad now. And nine years ago, we started CLH Bids. So we have a specialized platform for selling farms and ranches. So it allows me to get out of the office uh, a little bit. So that's a little bit about myself. You have a lot going on. I have no idea how you ranch and run a couple businesses. <laughs> so talk a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like or even week-to-week since I know your days probably vary with what's going on. Yeah. So I wake up uh, around five. Uh, lately, I've been going for walks in the morning outside, which is really nice. It kind of gets you out and you're awake before everyone else and just a little bit of time to ground yourself, I guess. And then I go do chores. You know, I we have similar temperatures to you. So sometimes it can be minus 40 and that entails chipping the, the waters, uh, which sometimes can be overwhelming when everything seems to be hitting the fan and, you know, 6 a.m. you're crying, trying to get waters unfrozen. 
So yeah, feed the animals, uh, go back inside, get ready for work. And then, you know, your typical work day and then go back and do chores again. So usually get in the house. Sometimes it's, it's dark, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm sure there's seasons, right? There's seasons where the ranch is busier. There's seasons where the business is busier. And so kind of how do you prepare yourself when you're entering one of those really busy seasons? I think it's about who you surround yourself with. We, you know, at the law firm always try to hire individuals for their attitude, we say, over their qualifications sometimes. And so it's making sure that they know kind of what page we're on. I think it's a big struggle when you own a business with sometimes a lot of the times I'm not in the office, I'll be out, you know, it's seeding time or it's harvest or, you know, the the vet's coming and I need to be with the horses, things like that. And I know that for me, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, they think I'm not working. You know, they don't see me. I'm out doing gallivanting, doing horse girl things. So it's really surrounding yourself with people who who respect you and who support you. And a lot of times, you know, I know when my dad was was still grain farming, clients would call and they would just say, it's, it's seeding time, you have to call a cell phone. So I truly believe that if you surround yourself with good people, that you can make it work, even if even if you're busy. Let's talk a little bit about coming down to She's a Hand Ranch Camp. Mm-hmm. So kind of talk a little bit about your experience and, you know, how you have implemented some of the things you've learned in your home operation. Yeah. So I kind of want to touch on what, I guess, drew me to, to the camp. I'd seen it on Instagram and I've always been a huge advocate or I wanted to be for the egg industry. You know, I feel like I left the farm for a little bit. So People can't say, you know, you're just kind of a, a hermit. You, you don't know what the real world is. I did see the other side. Actually, my best friend in, in university, I lived with at the time I would come home and she was watching Netflix documentaries about ranches and how they're bad and, you know, how don't eat beef, basically. And so she actually stopped eating beef. And I kind of was like, this this is all backwards. I need, I want to be able to to support agriculture because I love it. You know, it's done very well for our family. And at the same time, a lot of people don't invite those ones who maybe don't understand a farm out to their farm. And so when I saw this, I was like, I love that. I love that she is inviting people, women specifically, to come and immerse themselves in agriculture when really there there is no other way to do that. It's not something where you just buy, you know, a, a course online and you go and now you're a farmer. You know, that's not how it works. So I guess I saw that and I, I listened to one of your podcasts and you kind of were talking about how you came up with the idea and you said you're talking to your brother about it. And he said, it's a great idea, but I don't want to, you know, run the, the cows to the shoot that many times. And then he paused and he's like, wait a second. That's what everyone says. This is exactly why you have to do it. And I was like, wow. If that doesn't hit home, I don't know what does. You know, we're all eager to learn. A lot of times we know what needs to be done next, you know, on processing day, for example. But we kind of just stand back. We we do the paperwork because it's busy. The job needs to get done. You want to get in the house before 10 p.m. So there's really no time to learn in a safe, calm environment. And so immediately I was like, I need to I need to be a part of this. And at the same time, I was struggling a little bit with imposter syndrome where it's like, am I good enough to go here? And then I thought, 
if I'm second guessing that, how can I ever expect people who have never been in agriculture to partake in one of these camps? You know, like I want to show people this side of it. But if I'm second guessing my skills, how can I expect someone who's never been on a farm to not feel that way? So I signed up, drove down. And honestly, walking in to the to the kind of house, the, the common house that we had, I was panicking a little bit, <laughs> not knowing what was going to be through the doors. And we walked in, or I walked in, and it was just a bunch of girls hanging out. And I loved it. And getting to know each and every one of them, you know, you had young girls who very much grew up ranching. You had a girl who had a baby like four weeks before and who so badly wanted to push herself that she was there. I mean, that was amazing. She also had a fairly impressive cattle operation back home, it sounded like. And then at the same time, you had, you know, a middle-aged woman who had never stepped foot on a ranch. And I just thought, this is so cool to have a place where all of us put our egos away. You know, we're all the same playing field. No one was like, oh, I have a bigger operation than you. I know more because we all signed up because we wanted to learn more. And I just, I thought that that was really special. I think that's one of the things that makes the camp so unique is one of the questions I think we get the most often is what kind of experience do I need? And I'm like, there is experience levels from probably only viewing a cow like while they're driving down the freeway to owning cattle. And it's all ranges and all different backgrounds. And I think that's one of the coolest parts is Everyone in their application, almost everyone says, I want, I'm worried I'm going to be the least experienced person there. And to be honest, by the time you get started working, we don't even know. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone's learning something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just such a supportive atmosphere, regardless of if you, if you did know what you were doing. I mean, I was standing next to Emmy Sperando at the end of it and she was asking questions and I'm like, wow, I follow you on Instagram. Uh, You are like a a movie star moment right now. And we were all just wanting to learn. And I was just so supportive. You know, one of the kind of stories that stuck with me most was the last day we were all processing and we kind of had teams and I think we went second um, in the day. So we're kind of getting tired and you know, the cows are coming down the alleyway pretty quickly. And so we all rotate jobs and it was um, this other girl's time to be operating the chute. And so they're flying down the alleyway and she missed it a couple times, I think twice or something. And then the third one time caught, caught it a little too low. So then it wasn't good. And, you know, I could tell she was getting frustrated and kind of looked like she wanted to cry. And in that moment, your brother came over and it was like, just slowed everything down. And that's in that moment when you're at any of our ranches. I mean, I guess I could just speak for myself, but typically the guy would just come in, move you to the side and and get the job done. But he made sure that she still did it and that she proved to herself that she could do it. You know, the cow was fine. Everything was fine. But it's sometimes our emotions can just get the most of, best of us. And had that been on a day, you know, at our ranches, like I said, she would have been too afraid to ever stand, you know, in that position again. She would have never wanted to operate the chute. But it was just amazing how the smile on her face when then the next one came and she she got it. She nailed it. And so I, I love that because that was a position that I think we've all been in. 
And so my heart went out to her and I was kind of living vicariously, like get through this because I could see myself right there as well. So that was really special. I love that story. You've shared that before. And it's yeah. it kind of gives me goosebumps a little bit just to hear that. It's like, you know, when you get bucked off, what do they always say? You got to get right back on. Like if you don't get on, it's really going to impact how you ride horses for the rest of your life. And it's also so encouraging to hear that you learned something because you came in with a good chunk of experience. I mean, you're not only someone who grew up in operation, but you have ownership in an operation. And just the fact that you took stuff home is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that the biggest takeaway was just building my confidence, you know, going in, I maybe knew how to do those things, but with always other people who, if I screwed up, they would take over. So it's a really interesting thing with farming. And, and like I said, you know, how you work so closely with your parents, it's almost like a bit of a comfort cushion or something where, Hey, I don't really need to learn this 110% because someone, if I screw up, will take over. And so that was so big for us to just get the confidence that, no, you know what? I, I can step up. I can volunteer to do that, you know, tail vein and I can figure it out if I had to. I really loved that. It was, it was really cool. We're excited to announce our first ever She's a Hand Ranch Camp Horseback Edition. On June 14th through 16th, we'll be hosting 14 women to cultivate their cattle handling skills from horseback. We'll spend one day working in the arena, one day in the backgrounding lot, and one day gathering cattle in summer country. Attendees will provide their own horses and tack. We're accepting applications now through the form linked below. Once your application has been reviewed and accepted, you will have 48 hours to secure your spot. Do you use things on a like regular basis that you learned at camp? I would say some of the things you might not even think of, like the goal setting that you did with us one day. So unique. And, you know, that's huge. I think I would often say I want to ride my horses five times a week. And then you miss a day and you feel like this massive failure. And then you kind of just throw your hands in the air and give up a little bit. And so you taught us really how to make goals that are achievable and that we're not going to set ourselves up to fail. So I I would say that that's actually one of my biggest takeaways too. It was just so positive and you guys are such great teachers. Something else that I loved is, and I'm sure you you have your moments, but your family is truly incredible when it comes to the agriculture industry. You know, the calmness that you guys provide And just, it was something that I was amazed by and really looked up to. I came home and told everyone about it. I was like, I can't believe they have, you know, their barn where all the processing happens and they have this little room with a window and steps that go up for her niece and nephew to watch because they want them to be a part of it. And typically you just be go sit in the house, do something, kind of get out of our hair. We need to get this job done. And that provided them a space to ask questions. They would open the window, but then they're still safe. And I just really love that. You know, your dad, when we were sorting cows, that was another big moment for me where I was super nervous to do that because typically that can be a a very high pressure situation. And the more 
afraid you get and the more nervous you are, basically the more you screw up because the cows know that and they'll just run right past you. And so your dad took time to explain everything and he didn't care if you screwed up 10 times and, you know, we had to do it all again. He was there to for you to ask questions and to keep running through it with you. And I just, that was amazing. You guys have a really really neat family and one that everyone should want to to be around in the camp. I will tell you, we have our moments. <laughs> uh, we're siblings and we're three generations often working together. So yeah. we certainly have our moments. But one of the things that, you know, I love having you say that, that just having the men around wasn't intimidating because some people do say, well, it's a women's only camp. Why don't you have women lead? And I'm like, well, because the bosses on my operation are my brother and dad. And so it's only respectable that I allow them to show their expertise and to train and teach in kind of their domain. And I'm not there every day, but Mm -hmm. they are, and they understand what it takes to do it really, really well. And I have noticed that Jason and Ellie, even after watching the camp, so Jason, he turned eight in December, Ellie turned five in July And of course, they were just observers. I mean, everyone loves them. They're very likable kids. But I have noticed this winter, Jason has had to work the alley multiple times for my brother because of help. And so he's eight years old. And my niece and nephew are teeny. Um, They're very small, very short. Uh, So but my brother said he just by observing through the window, some of the things that we taught at ranch camp and kind of that process of slowing down and teaching because we don't do our natural life. Everyone's natural life doesn't include a ton of teaching. But my brother has commented on just how much the kids picked up. One, the confidence that they can really just jump in and do it. And also just watching us teach other people. I mean, they're listening. We know that, right? More is caught than taught with kids. But they watched us teach everyone else. And so then they learned as well. And this fall, they played a huge role. My brother said multiple days he processed all these calves with just those two kids. Aww, he said, I yeah. didn't even have any help. I just had to rely on these two kids. And they came through and they're gaining confidence. And I know with how my brother teaches at the camp, like he's never going to yell at anyone. He's never going to get upset. You know, he's very calm. And that's exactly what he's teaching his kids. And so I think that's really cool. But it was something that I hadn't appreciated until you guys came to camp and people said, I can't believe that they didn't raise their voice. And I was like, no, they're never, I mean, unless you're about to die, like unless we're in serious harm, my dad and brother are not raising their voice. Yeah. It's not normal. (laughs) That is one in a million, I would say. Well, which is really fun to hear because, again, uh, that was my, you know, that was what was expected. And we're not perfect by any means. We're just like any generational family. But the calmness, I I do think, brings a lot to ranch camp because that mess up and let's try again. And, oh, you made a mistake. You don't know how to do this. Like, that's why you're here. And my brother said that multiple times to you, camper. Like, it's okay. That's why you're here is to catch Mm -hmm. it again. Like, just run another one through and try it again. And so I love that that piece really did impact you. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's life. You didn't create this artificial environment where we're going to succeed every time. It's when you're dealing with animals, more often than not, it's not going to go as planned. And so to be able to recover from, oh shit, one just went straight through. Uh, How are we going to deal with that now? 
in a calm way, that's what we need because it's going to happen. What does the future kind of look like for you? What are your guys' goals on the operation? What are some maybe goals in your business that you want to share about? Okay. So right now I am saving up for equipment (laughs) because that is a large purchase. Um, And then I hope that my dad and I start cropping a lot of the land. I'm I'm switching it back to to grain right now, which with cattle prices seems to be the opposite of what I should be doing. (laughs) But switching it back to grain and hopefully him and I can crop some of the land together. And then, you know, I would love to get into my own black and red Angus operation. But we typically always seem to buy high and sell low. So I'm really trying to wait until I buy low and sell high. And then on the on the business front, you know, really trying to kind of I my passion is really because I've seen it firsthand how it doesn't work uh, succession planning with farmers and ranchers. And it's ties so well into um, the CLH bid side that we have where we sell farms and ranches. And I really just want to help people through that because I have so many clients that come into my office and they say the one son farms and the rest don't. And I say, okay, so, you know, how would you like your will drafted? And they say, well, leave everything joint to all of them. And immediately I just get a little bit defeated because their family farm's going to be broken up and their kids, none of them are going to end up speaking. And so I think that's something that our industry really needs. And I'm slowly seeing it get a little bit better where people are more open to having that conversation. But I think naturally we aren't confrontational people. We kind of keep to ourselves. We just kind of keep going and hope it'll all work out. And in the end, it isn't their intention to have their kids not speaking, but they didn't know how else to do it. And so what we say is what's fair isn't always what's equal with farms. And so really trying to, I guess, kind of expand on that and help as many farm families as I can in the meantime. I think that statement about what's fair isn't equal Man, it's a hard statement because I know it's true and we see families destroyed like immediately when someone passes away. Um, And there is a lot of families that we look up to and think have really successful operations. And, you know, as an attorney or their bookkeeper, that it's not there. I mean, it's going to be rough. And so, you know, that's something that I always get nervous about, right, is what does that look like? And I think it's one of the things that I'm really passionate about that I talk a lot about to people inside Cattleman U is we can't expect our parents to do succession planning if we haven't done any succession planning. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we all think we're invincible, right? Um, We're in our early 20s or 30s. Nothing's going to happen. I don't have kids yet. But you have things. And, you know, it's easy for us to say, man, I wish my grandparents or parents would get after that when we don't have our stuff done. And so if you're listening and you don't have a will or you don't have even your bank statements for your spouse, like where all your accounts are, like you can be the change without waiting for someone else to change first. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. And it's hard because, you know, they don't want to have that conversation. But we find a lot of times that one tough conversation is going to, you know, save your family down the road. And Sometimes it's just asking what the siblings' expectations are. A lot of it is we create these expectations as it's human nature, but a lot of times 
it's not reality or we think someone's expecting something and, and maybe they're not, you know. I never expected to get the farm. If they would have asked me that, I 100% would have said that. And I can speak for my other brother. He also didn't either. He actually didn't want any of it. And so right there, that makes it quite a bit easier. But it was never talked about, just assumed. And then it ends up kind of blowing up in your face a little bit. What is something you wish people knew about hiring an attorney when their small business is a farmer ranch? Um, Kind of recommendation-wise. Just in general, you wish they knew it didn't cost as much or it wasn't, you know, that they can interview people like just all over. What are some things you wish people knew? I would say I I wish that they knew kind of that we're people just like them. You know, I'm sometimes embarrassed to say that I'm a a lawyer because I feel like it's this big, scary thing. But I love nothing more than coming out to their farm and sitting down with them and helping them. And yeah, like a lot of times it isn't, I would say, as expensive. Um, I don't know about other practices, but if, if you know, I didn't do anything and I just went out there and had a coffee with you, you're not going to get a bill. But they can ask us probably more questions than they think in that. You know, we're not billing you per minute. But find someone who you trust. Find someone who understands ag, I would say, is one of the most important things. It's It's not just a company. It's not like anything else. And so sometimes when lawyers are, are drafting it and they put all the kids on title, I just don't think the repercussions of that are maybe seen because they didn't grow up in the industry. I think if you grew up, you immediately look at that and you you shake your head. But yeah, it's, it's just surrounding yourself with people that you trust, I think is really important. And the other thing is you don't have to stick with the same attorney your parents did. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I'm learning that, you know, I started with the same bank they did, the same everything. And eventually I'm like, I don't actually get treated the same as you guys here. So I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to find my own path. And that's really hard with farms because we've talked about it. it's just so generational. You know, you usually kind of just follow each other and it's OK to think out of the box. It's really scary sometimes, but sometimes questioning the status quo is what this industry needs. And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of it. Social media has really given it a voice where we can kind of share a little bit of the background of what happens every day. And I think that's really, really neat and something that we for sure needed because we're more of a traditional industry. In the past, you know, we kind of, we don't try to hide things, but we're not the most public about what we're doing. And in that, I think we get a lot of backlash inevitably but then we don't kind of fight against it and I'm even seeing you know I'm signed up for this equine law seminar that's that's happening this week and I found her on Instagram and so it's just yeah trying to to continuously learn and you're right you don't have to follow in the exact same footsteps your your parents did yeah absolutely is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about so far not really. I guess the one thing that I came up with that was kind of in with the uh, bit of imposter syndrome and kind of why I was even afraid to sign up for the camp and something that I find really interesting within our culture, um, specifically the agriculture, Western culture, is kind of, it's so much of how we look. And I know I listened to a podcast that you actually had with uh, Coach Kaya and you even talked about how you didn't feel like you looked like a cowgirl so you weren't a cowgirl and I just find that 
fascinating. And today I was even trying to do some research and trying to figure out why that is so predominant in our culture. And Courtney Dehoff has talked a lot about it and it really helped me actually, because yeah, I'm a lawyer during the day. I dress up a little bit, but then I absolutely love going home, putting on my sweatpants and my muck boots and being with the animals. That doesn't make me any less cowgirl, I don't think, but society has told us that it is. And I don't know why it's such a big thing to look the part. I've sometimes wondered if it's because cowboy hats are kind of stereotypical. And so if you don't wear that, then you're not cowboy. But I think it's really important that people feel as though they can look anyway and still be welcomed into this industry because we we need young individuals who want to come. And that's where the camp is so special. You know, I could guarantee there were some people there who don't own a cowboy hat. And there was never a time where that was brought up or a time where it's like, oh, your boots look pretty new. But for some reason, when we go out in public, that's very much a thing. And I, I find that with myself even, and it kind of ties in with, I guess, sometimes I get a little bit afraid to do something, or I know you've talked about failure to action a little bit, and we could be so hard on each other. I know I've heard, I don't know how to change the oil in the tractor. And the response is, oh, I thought you were a real cowgirl. That makes me never want to ask a question ever again. Like, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. You know, I'm the youngest. I'm a girl. I, I guess I just didn't learn that part of it. And so I think it's really important that we look at that and that for people wanting to come into the industry, they're not afraid by that. You know, I know Courtney's talked a lot about somewhat, she's seen comments and someone judged a fellow for posting a picture with his hat on backwards. And it's like, if that was the first taste of the agriculture community that that person had, they're never going to want to come back. And if they had that hat on, hey, they want to be a part of it. Good for them. You know, I know I was down at a ranch in uh, BC and I just recently got a new pair of chinks. And honestly, I was afraid to wear them because I'm like, they look brand new. Yes, this is the first time I'm wearing them. And someone did comment on them and they're like, those look pretty new. Own it. You know, I'm really trying to do that. I said, yeah, I, I actually just got them. Because people who have been in the industry who grew up on farms, we still feel that way. I feel like it's a very common thing that's not talked about. I mean, if you feel that way, that you're not cowgirl, who the heck does? So we, we really need to be easier on each other, I think, and more welcoming. Are you looking for a way to make positive steps towards your goals and have a community to support you on your journey? The Cattlemen U Collective is our revamped online membership community for ranch women to connect and learn ranch skills. We will be covering our six pillar topics, money, cattle, relationships, home, faith, and cooking each month. The collective is perfect for the ranch woman who is yearning for community that will meet her where she's at and challenge her to reach new, bigger goals. You can join as a monthly member today at the link down below. Gosh, I have so many thoughts on that. So one of the things, the very first time I sat in the sale barn, I was worried about what I was going to wear because I was like, mm -hmm. what do I wear to make them respect me? And what I've learned is it doesn't matter what we wear. It matters how we act. 
but it's human nature to want to wear the right thing and to want to look the part. And I agree, to be honest, I don't even own a pair of cowboy boots. I don't think I'm supposed to admit that in public because I wear muck boots and I don't ride that much just because we don't have a lot of gentle horses around and things like that. So I actually have like a lace up pair of boots and my brother's always been like very adamant. You can't ride, you know, a young horse with a lace up boots on. And so I don't even own a pair of cow, cowgirl cowboy boots. It is like on my list to purchase. And I actually really want a like custom pair, but they say your feet change after you have kids. And so I'm like, I can't buy them now. I haven't had children, you know, and maybe kids are in my cards. And so yeah. it's really interesting because when I say that, people will be like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, my days, my hey dudes, now I'm getting kind of old. I got to wear tennis shoes more often, but my hey dudes are great. Like they'll fit in any situation that I put myself in. And just, you know, because I don't wear cowboy boots or you know, when I dress up, I wear like fancy pointed shoes. And so mm-hmm. I think that it's really easy to expect people in agriculture to look and to appear a certain way. But like whatever we are wearing, we're one, we're valuable for the industry, which I think people need to hear. And two, we just had a call for 2024. She's a hand ranch camps. And one of the questions, very first question, I think was, what do we wear? And I said, oh. To be honest, you need to be super comfortable and no one's going to remember what you wore. And I said, I'm not even sure anyone put on makeup during either of the camps. I said, you are here to learn and to get dirty. The last thing I want you to do is wear something that makes you uncomfortable or look a way that makes you uncomfortable. Like come as you are in your most comfortable clothes because you will be so busy learning, you won't be able to be focused on what other people are wearing. And I just tried to reassure them. I was like, one, the May camp was very rainy. (laughs) Everyone was soaking head to toe the whole time. So that won't matter. But I just said like, this is a group of women where your looks don't matter. It doesn't matter size, shape, age, experience, like everyone's there to better themselves. And when everyone comes on board, the look and the like appearance of being a cowboy, cowgirl, like that part goes away. Like we're all here just to have a great experience and be better. But it's really interesting, you know, that we do get kind of pigeonholed because I know that my dad bought a, re- a new hat recently. And he said, does this make me look Amish? <laughs> it was a really short brimmed hat and we have Amish people next to us. So that's probably what. But my dad, who is very successful you know, one of the biggest order buyers in Montana, like has no problem. Still, it's human nature to want to be accepted and wear the right thing. And I think, you know, being a girl's girl, and even a guy supporting a girl, I think women struggle with it maybe a little bit more. Maybe men just don't vocalize it. But like, it's our duty, I think, to just accept people what however they show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting that your dad also felt that way. I do think a lot of people in the industry feel that, you know, I was, when I got to hop in Emmy's truck, I was dying of fangirl, but I found out that she grew up uh, show jumping and she wrote English. And that's something that I don't even really talk about. I did show jump for a lot of years and would compete down in the States and for a, a, a pretty good team. But it's something that 
immediately people in the Western industry are just like, oh, you, you weren't a barrel racer or, oh, you, you were a show jumper, you know, it's, you're in this immediate different class. And so I found it so neat that this woman who so many cowgirls look up to on, on Instagram also show jumped and she also deals with that. And it's just talk to people, be vulnerable in preparation for this podcast. I was like, I don't even know if my story is that interesting. What am I going to talk about? And I was asked, what do you love about podcasts? And I said, when people are vulnerable, when people are real, when they talk about what scares them. And sometimes in agriculture, you can feel so alone, you know, when everything's frozen and you're hoping your Herman Nelson fires in minus 40 and everyone's tucked under their heated blankets at home watching Netflix, you feel very alone. And it's really important that we have a community that can hold space for people to talk about that and say, hey, I actually feel the same way. I, you know, am 80 years old and I am still worried about what my cowboy hat looks like. I'm not saying your dad's 80. <laughs> but, but honestly, like last week, I'm, you know, reseeding one of my fields to hay and I've never had to do that on my own. And so I finally, after I procrastinated for about a month, worked up the courage to call, you know, our local seed supplier. And I said, hey, I'd like to buy some seed. And I don't know what I'm doing. Like he, his first question is, what kind of land is it? Is it more clay, you know, more sandy? And I don't know. My dad would know the answer to that question. And I really was so embarrassed. I actually wanted to hang up the phone and he was such a nice man. I think I might send him a Christmas card. He walked me through it and said, hey, we're just all doing the best we can. And farming is trial and error. I figured out that this is the best blend of hay from failing, from buying the wrong one. You know, there's no rule book to this industry. And sometimes that's what's daunting is that we truly kind of do learn from from trial and error. But that's also what makes it so special. And, you know, you really have to be kind of tough skinned to sometimes cut it out. But that's also why I think we have such a cool breed of people who are in agriculture and to anyone listening who is contemplating the ranch camp um i would say that the egg industry is full of actually amazing people if you really want to learn surround yourself by people like caroline and her family who want to take you in with open arms and show you a community of other girls who also want to learn because it is out there and you know, my clients that are farmers, they're the ones that ask to take their shoes off at the door. It's a refreshing breed of people. And it's one that I'm so proud to be a part of and so proud to, to support. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a little bit about when you, I'm going to use the wrong words, but when you became a lawyer, I don't know what that terminology is. Uh, the, someone sent it to the whole team. And they were like, could she do any more? Can you believe this? And then at our weekly meeting, they brought up how impressive they thought it was that you had done that. And so while you maybe don't think your story is impactful, like we talk about you and the impact you made at Ranch Camp all the time. And I just thought it was so funny. I can't remember who saw it, but they screenshotted your post on Instagram. I can still visibly remember it. And they sent it to the entire team. And so... I think that also just can encourage people like while we might feel like what we do is just what we do, it's 
impactful and something that other people admire. And I think everyone probably needs to hear that. Like it's our daily life, but to other people, it's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I I read this quote once and it said, do one thing a day that gets you closer to your goal. And at the time I was feeling so underwater, like I have all these goals, but how do I get there? And I'm not a patient person. So it's how do I get there right now? But that brought me so much ease. And so if, if you're someone who wants to be in agriculture, if you're already in agriculture, but you want to get that confidence to do it on your own, this is that one thing that will put you closer to your goal. And it will honestly be a weekend where you're going to remember it forever and you're going to leave. I remember driving out of there so proud of myself, like just so proud for doing that on my own, for taking that step with a bunch of people I'd never met and for coming out feeling so inspired, um, invigorated and just ready to to get crushing the rest of the goals. It, it was really honestly life-changing and you guys have such a good program and I can't say it enough, but just so supportive, so positive, so calm. It's, it's amazing. Well, thank you. It's so, it's very humbling to hear you talk about ranch camp and that you had a great experience. And one of the things we're hoping in 2025 is to do a couple camps in Canada. So we'll be in contact and see if you can make a guest appearance up there when we're North, but there is so many women from um, Canada that want to participate in Cheese a Hand Ranch Camp. And we've um, had some offers of some facilities that we could host that. And so um, that is something that we're dreaming of. The other that I'm just putting out into the world is we'd love to do one in Australia or Brazil. So if you're listening from Australia or Brazil and you know of a ranch, please contact us because we would love to bring a whole group of women to your operation and kind of spread the love that happens at She's a Hand Ranch Camp. And just really, I mean, we want to make sure women are in this industry and this is the way we're going to do it. Wow. I might have to sign up again for that one in Australia. <laughs> Doesn't that sound fun? I yes. One thing I don't talk a lot about is I did a summer internship in Australia in college. So I actually emailed the Red Meat Council. I used to be very bold. I mean, I'm bold now, but like next level. Um, I emailed them and I was like, hey, I would like to come spend the summer here. Do you have an internship? And they hooked me up with the largest Angus breeder in Australia. And I spent eight weeks, I think six to eight weeks down there on their operation. And I loved it. It was so different than the US, but it was such a great learning experience. I went um, as soon as school got out, so May and June, they were calving and it was rainy season. And one of the things that I really remember is there's no dryers. So your pants, you just hang them up and my pants molded because <laughs> there was, they were so wet. When I went to the airport, I threw all of my jeans away. Oh. I was like, okay, well, guess we're going home in sweatpants. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so uh, you can you can come. We'll give you a repeat discount if you want to join us in Australia. Perfect. And hopefully one of the podcast listeners will have a connection and can help us hook that up. I also see that you're doing, or she's a hand ranch camp horseback edition. Oh, yeah. So that was actually my brother Jacob's idea. It's a little bit shorter. And we were going to have everyone supply their own horse, um, you know, trailer their horses in. But my brother found a, a bunch of people that he knows that have gentle horses that are going to lease horses. So oh, okay. people are going to um, learn how to rope a horseback, yeah. 
like Doctor in the Field, Open Gate, Sword Out of the Pen. And then the last day, we're going to go to White Sulphur, which is where we run yearlings. And they're going to gather and move a set of our yearlings kind of on big open country. And if there's some to doctor, they're going to put all their skills to the test. Oh, that sounds amazing. I love that you're doing different levels of it too. So that even if you just go to one, you know, I wanted to come back immediately for more. And I mean, you could attend the camp probably five times and hear new information every single time. There was so much information. But the fact that you can go to just She's a Hand Ranch Camp and then go, I'm even thinking of the horse one, is really amazing. Yeah. One of the ones we want to do for alumni down the road is like more of a breeding project. So they Mm -hmm. would actually get a set of heifers and then they would come, they would put in the cedars. We do all of that. And then they would pick the semen to breed the heifers and breed the heifers. Oh, that's so neat. So they would kind of get the whole process about, you know, giving all the shots, kind of managing this small little group of um, heifers or cows themselves, studying, looking at the bulls, deciding which semen would be the best. And so that is something we want to do because that AI piece, that breeding piece is a area that a lot of people had questions and wanted to dive deeper. And I just think it'd be fun to kind of hear everyone explain why they picked a bull for their set of heifers and how they kind of manage their herd in that little bit of time. And so that is something that we're looking into for alumni, just kind of giving them a little bit more ownership. And once they're there and a little bit more comfortable after coming to camp, then they can, you know, have their crew and they can assign their crew where they're working and what do they want to put in the ear tags and kind of all of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, count me in. I love that. Well, let's get into the rapid fire questions. These are short and sweet and really fun. Um, What is your favorite cut of steak and how do you like to cook it? Medium rare and tenderloin, I would say. My dad can really smoke the shit out of a good tenderloin. Great. I just recently started eating tenderloin because my brother, for the rancher's daughter, he requested a whole tenderloin and I forgot to take it to him, so I cooked it. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, it's really good though. The whole house loved it. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, wow, we should do this more often. (laughs) Yeah. Excellent. I would recommend. Yeah. What is an ag industry topic that you think needs talked about more often? I think we kind of touched on it. I would twofold. I would say succession planning, uh, hands down. Number one, have that conversation. It might be scary, but it's worth it. And then I would say the second one, kind of also what we touched on, just about the stereotype that we put out there and just being easier on each other. You know, if even if you're 32 and you've farmed your whole life and you don't know something, don't be that friend that says, oh, I thought you were a real cowboy or I thought you were a real farmer. Just help them out. I love that. It leads right into the next question. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Ooh, the best piece of advice that I've ever been given. Uh, It's kind of a quote. My dad and I always use it. And I would say it's obstacles are those things that you see when you take your eyes off your goal. Dang, that's good. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it used to be my riding quote because if you would look down at the jump that you're about to jump, your horse would, they would also look down and then almost always hit it. And so it was kind of his way of saying, you know, quit looking at the fences and you won't hit them. I love that. I'm going to steal that. What is your non-career dream job? My non-career dream job. Oh, gosh. 
Like money's not an object, time's not an object. What is something I would honestly say I'm kind of living it. Like just being a farmer or rancher. It's I don't think my heart would be anywhere else. So if money's not an option, probably uh buy some cows. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the thing. Even if money is an option, we still yeah. <laughs> we still buy cows. Well, yeah. This has been a great conversation. We are so lucky you came to Ranch Camp because you play such a vital role in helping us determine how we can better serve women in this industry just and partnering with you on ways we want to grow. And I'm sure now that you um, are all have all the paperwork legally wise, we're going to be reaching out and making sure that we can connect women to you and, and you can advise some of the Kettleman U members. Just we need more people in our corner and we know that you're in our corner and we're in your corner too. So I appreciate your time today. Ah, that means so much, Carolyn. Yes, I'll always be in your guys' corner and please keep me posted on when you're coming to Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We are thankful to have you in your community. Like always, remember the grass is greener where you water it.